Sent from his throne above He came to change his world through love He came humbly, he came to serve He'll come again to rule this earth Hallelujah, the Lord has come And hallelujah, the Lord has come Hallelujah, the Lord has come Emmanuel, our God is with us You're listening to Thursday Night Live at Calvary Chapel, St. Paul Calvary Chapel, St. Paul is a fellowship of believers committed to a fourfold style of ministry We seek to reach, teach, mend, and send Each Thursday night live service involves a time of intimate worship, an in-depth study of God's Word, and a time of afterglow and leading of the Holy Spirit. And now, here is Thursday Night Live. Good evening, good evening, good evening to you. Look at the screen, look at the screen. Uh, go to our church calendar. I've updated some things. We don't have a church bulletin here. Never have, never will. So you got to go to the church calendar, sync your phones, your laptops, your computers, whatever you got to do. Um, but starting April 7th is a, a once a year servants class. It's for four weeks. So it'll be for the four Sundays in, uh, in April. And then also the intern program is starting back up uh, in May. So look on the church calendar for that as well. And then we'll have some updates there in the uh, ministries page as well. Hey, thanks. Um, So with that being said, and before I pray, so uh, do some deductive reasoning, okay, with tonight's message. Starting the servants class, you can go online, go to our ministry page and uh, look at that and find out some more information. And then in May, the first Tuesday in May is intern program. Uh, Look at that information. So with tonight's message, as as horrible as information I am going to bring you, I still think we're going to be here. And if we're here through whatever horrible information I bring you tonight, I have plans of doing the servants class and the intern program. God forbid we're still here. I don't want to pull a Wyatt where you get... Snatched from the arms of Jesus in the hospital, and he's here with us tonight. Good to see you. Bummer about the whole Jesus thing there. All right. Um, one of the young men and women said to me last week at uh, NYG, says, oh, he's, he's getting better. And I, I go, how? Well, he's, the sickness is going away, and he'll, you know, he's, we'll see him at church. How is that better than being in the arms of Jesus? Oh, right, he's getting worse. Um, there you go. All right. So it's a matter of perspective. So no matter what information I bring you tonight, uh, going through the service class, getting involved in the intern program and the other things, go to our, our church calendar. I have all the information on there and update. And every time there's a new update, if you subscribe, it'll update you as well what's going on there. So with that, let's pray because you're going to need it. So Lord Jesus, thank you for everyone here tonight. Those who are going to be watching and viewing online, thank you for uh, Brother Bill, who faithfully prays for me, and thank you, and uh, Brother Rich, thank you, Uh, got your emails, and so thank you for your prayers and and lifting up this time as well, and you, Victoria, and well, those are the main three at-home prayer people for me, so thank you, thank you, I need that. So Lord Jesus, just do your work tonight, may we leave here tonight more on fire, more convicted, more committed more submitted, more in love with you than when we came here this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. So by way of review, if uh, you're new in the last six months, if, if any of the topics that I'm going to cover quickly that you do not know about, they're not familiar, tonight is not an exhaustive thing. I already did that a couple of weeks ago. But you need to go back and look at some of the reviews and look at this information if you are not familiar with it. I expect that of you to study your Bible. I don't expect you to come here 
And in one session, uh, and this could be our last night together as, as brothers and sisters, uh, that, that you're trying to get everything out of here. So I expect you to own a Haley's Bible handbook. I expect you to be listening and, and doing your own research. And so by this, I give you some reviews. The Olivet Discourse. I didn't come up with that name. Jesus didn't come up with that name. Scholars did because there was on the Mount of Olives, so they had to put it with the Olivet Discourse there. And there's these parallel accounts. Again, you can go back later and look at these uh, passages right here, or you can start taking pictures like uh, some people do here as well. But this is online, and they will have this on Rumble, YouTube, Facebook, and as they, if they integrate it properly into the uh, uh, teaching tonight here. But these parallel accounts are in Matthew. And in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, and also Mark 13, but Matthew gives us the most complete account. And you have to understand the players, all right? So the book of Revelation, which we will get into starting in October, if I get through the rest of the New Testament here on, on Sundays and Thursdays, but it is a really easy book to understand. It's the only book in the Bible that says, hey, read me, I'm special. That's about it, Right? And it's the only one that says, read me, and, and you will get blessed. And so I would read it. Didn't understand it when I started reading it, but I, I know I got blessed. But it is a very easy book to understand because it is cloaked in Old Testament terminology because those who were writing it, all they had was what we would call the Old Testament. So all the symbolism, all the things, are there, they're never going to change. They, and in fact, the Bible already defines what those things and what those terms mean. So Jesus gives us the most complete account when they ask us, um, you know, when is, the, when is the end of the time? Uh, when is the destruction? When are, you, when are you coming back? He answered three questions for them in Matthew 24 and 25. Mark highlights that, that uh, there were four disciples present, Peter, James, and John, and Peter's brother Andrew, we see that in Mark 13. It is commonly assumed that Luke 21 is the same discourse. However, we need to examine this a little bit more clearly, uh, carefully. And so uh, we're not really going to go into Luke 21, but in Matthew 24, verses 1 through 3, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him and showed him these buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, see the, all these things, verily I say unto you, verily is a King James word of saying, truly, all right, truly I say unto you that there shall not be here left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And, and, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, thus you understand why some scholarly, scholarly, scholarly dude said the Olivet Discourse, they're there in the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us three questions, tell us when shall these things be? One, two, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? Two, and three, and the end of the world. Matthew chapter 24 through 25 answers these three questions here. In Mark chapter 13, verses one through four, and as he went out to the temple, one of his disciples said to them, Master, see what manner of stones these are. So they, again, you can see in Mark chapter 13, some parallel that goes on there. But look, verse four, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of these things? And they should be fulfilled. We see the beginning of sorrows. Again, this is a term that is used throughout the entire Old Testament. We see again that the beginning of sorrows, we see false Christs, wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes. And we see this in Matthew and Luke's gospel as well. And then we see a fulfillment even further, the ultimate fulfillment uh, there in the book of Revelation, and especially in chapter 6 there. Uh, Luke, uh, again, 21, 1 through 24, the beginning of sorrows. But look what it says here. These stones are still there in Israel with us to this day. These are the actual stones that the Romans pushed off the top of the Temple Mount area, and they crashed down to the street pavement, and they're there. And we go and we see them. We pay a lot of money to go see these rocks, okay? I'm telling you, if the pet rock craze ever comes back, Israel is a gold mine. But these are these rocks, and they are there. And that Temple Mount area has been destroyed. These are from 70 A.D. And these are the beginning of the sorrows. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Uh, uh, and so we're going to see some things here. Uh, Daniel chapter 2 gives us a dream. So until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled, a very specific term. So in Daniel chapter 2, he sees a dream. He sees this statue. 
And in this statue, uh, again, King Nebuchadnezzar sees uh, this statue, and Daniel gives them, this, uh, gives them the interpretation of the various empires. If these things did not happen, now Daniel said this ahead of time, Many would read this and say, oh, this is after the fact. But we have something called the Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It existed 200 years before Christ. Alexander the Great had it put together. Alexander the Great, one of my ancestors where, would go and, 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 and conquer a nation and want all their literature and everything put into Greek. And so he had the Hebrew scholars. So in other words... We had this well before Jesus was prophesying about it. And here, Daniel, so he tells us the Babylonian Empire, the Greeks, the Romans, um, and then the revived Roman Empire, and then the kingdom of God. We see that rock that's, uh, again, uh, not cut, uh, not used by hands, not cut by man. So the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar, is the Babylon Empire. The chest of silver, the kingdom that will be supplanted by Babylon, which Daniel later identifies in chapter 8, and the Medo-Persian Empire. Thighs of bronze, the next kingdom in the series, again, Daniel identifies in chapter 8 as Greece. There's no guessing to this. Tells us exactly what's going on there. And again, he's prophesying at the time of Babylon, and Daniel gives him, gives Nebuchadnezzar this dream. Legs of iron, the fourth kingdom, is a series in which uh, known from history that was the Roman Empire, which ultimately split into two parts. The Western, which is where we get Roman Catholicism today, and then the Eastern Orthodox, like the Greeks and the Russians have the Greek Orthodox Church. And so they're at Constantinople. Feet of clay and iron, the last uh, Gentile, uh, the last Gentile empire of history. The unstoppable combination of clay and iron uh, with iron suggests a loose confederation of nations that will exist in the area of the old Roman Empire. We see that in Europe today, do we not? and the supernatural stone symbolic of the return of the Messiah, who will destroy the last Gentile kingdom and will put in an end to Gentile rule by establishing the kingdom of God here on earth. The times of the Gentile, right? The fullness of the times of the Gentile, the very specific term, the age of Gentile rule. And again, as you can see through this prophecy here, we see this in the times of the Gentiles. Luke 21, 24, it begins with the fall of the last uh, king of Judah, Zedekiah in 586 BC. I want you to understand if you read your Bibles, Second Chronicles is the end of the Old Testament. But you go, wait a minute, my Bible says Malachi. No, that's just how it was put in order. But then from the end of Second Chronicles until the last Old Testament prophet, which is John the Baptist. Good. You're going to win a Bible trivia on that one there, all right? Um, and so here, the times of the Gentiles here will continue until Jesus returns. Now, do not mistake that for the Apostle Paul's terminology, the fullness of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles start, start with the last king there in Judah until Jesus returns. And there will be all this time, the Gentile nations, the John non-Jewish nations, Upheaval. But the fullness of the Gentiles, that's another term that the Apostle Paul came with. And that means when the last person to get saved, when the Gentile church, which is Jew and Gentile alike, but when the last Gentile, when the last Gentile to get saved, gets saved, we're out of here. We're raptured out. It's, it's, it's over. That's the full. Whenever that cup is full and that's it, we don't know who it is. I, I, I have dreams of that, uh, uh, that I, I want to be the, you know, I, I thought I would be the last one saved, and, uh, but, or I want to be, be preaching to the last person to get saved, and they get saved, and boom, we're right in heaven. And I want to go, all right, unchecked, faithful, but I know it's going to happen. I'm going to lead this guy to the Lord, and then he's going to go talk to his uh, mom or dad or brother and sister. He's going to lead them to the Lord, and that person's going to be the last one to get saved, and they're going, congratulations! I'm going to get to heaven and go, he's only been saved for about a minute. How did, you know, and that's again, it's like, you know, letting someone in line at the grocery store. Remember that when they used to have million dollar giveaways? No, no, you go. And here's the interesting thing. When the million dollar giveaways were happening at grocery stores, people weren't letting others cut in line. But just think if you let them cut in line, you're the millionth customer. It was a thing in my day. Some of you were smiling. You're old too. Um, it's interesting to note that the period of Gentile uh, domination of the world emphasizes in the language of the book of Daniel. In chapter 2, verses 4, the language shifts from Hebrew to Aramaic. You just have to know that as you're studying the Bible there. 
Um, it switches back to Hebrew again in chapter 8. Interesting, why when this dream is given, the vision is given, it switches to actual Aramaic, and then in chapter 8, it goes back to Hebrew, because then we see when the kingdom comes and the Messiah comes, and we see all these things. So to me, I think it's just a head, head nod from the Holy Spirit saying, hey, this, the times of the Gentiles, it just points to that. Again, uh, that's just me. So again, we see these beginning of sorrows. We have all this prophecy right here. Again, 200 years before Christ, these things were all said. And again, the beginning of Cyrus, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled, Daniel 2 in his dream, Luke 21, 37 through 38. And in that day, he, he was teaching in the temple and the night went out and abode in the, in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. Thus is why this is called the Olivet Discourse. All right, your Bible, you just saved a whole lot of money in Bible college. And he's in, again going back. So let's look at this last year. Let's look at all the hoaxes or the conspiracy theories. Uh, vaccinated, uh, uh, the vaccinated can, can spread COVID hoax. Oh, true. We all kept saying, no, I think they still can. Vaccinated is susceptible to new variants. Again, you won't be susceptible to uh, truth. So we're looking at all these things. Um, harder access to medical care for the unvaccinated. Oh, that would never happen. But that did happen to quite a few people here uh, in this church who were refused medical attention. Oh, true. Secret contracts between Pfizer and the governments? No. No way. If you go back to uh, January of 20, uh, 2021, was it 2020? 2019? Whatever. That first couple of weeks, and when President Trump came out and he had the Fauci next to him, I came out that Sunday and said, this is all a hoax. I can tell you right now, I've already been through this with Fauci back in the 80s with AIDS and everything he did. Follow the money. This is a big con job. Let us just pray that President Trump does not fall for this or anyone falls for this. This is a scam. I can tell you right now because of that guy who was involved with it. And now do we know? Pfizer, hmm, hmm. Pfizer is a for-profit company. Pfizer, a month ago, bought a company for $49 billion. This company has been testing and doing research in turbo cancers that have been popping up for the last three years. And they've made some inroads and some medications, some treatments. Pfizer just purchased them for $49 billion and assimilated them into the Pfizer Corp. Huh. Do you think Pfizer sees something coming? Okay. But we do now know that Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, all these pharmaceutical companies had contracts with the governments. All right? And none of them would administer, and it's not a vaccination. I hate saying it. It was a gene therapy. You wouldn't take that, would you? If you're under the whole thing that this is a vaccine, it never was a vaccination. But all these things are true. So again, I shared this with you a few years ago because they were trying to close down churches. I said, well, then we're going to meet in Hope Depot. They're big enough to hold 500 people. And we'll sing praise. What are they going to do? We'll meet in the plumbing department. Uh, this is something that I've shown you from somebody I know. Again, this is uh, scenarios that pilots in the aviation industry, commercial air transport pilots, were dying by the time they started uh, or getting incapacitated in flights, by the, time, by the time it started making the news, it had already been happening a lot. And we have a training center here uh, in, in Egan, Minnesota, and they are now, and I have pilots uh, uh, united in Delta uh, who are training for incapacitation. If the, if the captain, the way they design these airplanes is the steerable nose wheel, they, to save room, they only put it on the captain's side of the airplane. It's not on the co-pilot side. And now we're having where you have to remove the incapacitated captain so you can steer the plane with the nose wheel. These scenarios are happening here and they're training for that. Again, I gave you a couple of years ago. This is, you can go to Johns Hopkins Center for Health and Security. This is before COVID was ever COVID-19, it already was a plan a couple of years ahead of time. I showed you the documentation for that. They already had a name for it. Well, this is the next one, SPARS. Um, and it comes up with the name there. Uh, SPARS meaning St. Paul uh, Respiratory, uh, St. Paul 
uh, acute respiratory syndrome pandemic. And I told you what was happening there is that, uh, again, this is a scenario, and this is already out, this has been out for over two years now, of, 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 of this is how they do the pandemic games and the war games and what they would do. So in other words, did it, did it seem odd to you that they already had names and things that they were going to do, and they already had a sort of an infrastructure ahead of time? If it didn't, it, it, it should. Well, this thing's already out here. And again, it's telling you this stuff. So this is a fake article. This is just one of the things that they did there. And did I not tell you that they're going to start blaming? The next one is going to be the Christians. This is the oldest time. Nero blamed Christians and Jews for the burning of Rome. He just wanted Rome to burn so he could build the slum areas up, and he blamed it on the Christians. So this is a, this is a fake article of what it would look like in the St. Paul Chronicle. There is no St. Paul Chronicle. And this is in this John Hopkins uh, Medical Center. This is what it would look like. And this is some good person, this good Christian woman coming back from a missions trip in Africa, and she starts infecting people. And then they come up with the health advisories. This is a whole plan. It's right there. And they already have a name for it, Colasevere. If, if this name pops up with this new scam that's going to be coming out, it was already told to you about. And again, this is St. Paul Acute Respiratory System, SPARS. That's the, no, that's the new thing. All right? Now, I think Minneapolis, I think it's going to be Mars uh, because Minneapolis always gets upset that they get left out, that it'd be St. Paul. But again, this is online, and this is for 2025 through 2028, a whole plan. So I've shared this with you. Again, here's the information. I'm not making any, this is it right here, John Hopkins Center for Health and Security. And you can go to the centerofhealthandsecurity.org and you can look this up yourself. It's a whole plan. It's already, it's ready to go. And it basically, it's not only ready to go, if it spars or whatever, they, they already have an infrastructure set up. If anything happens, we're ready to go. And let's look at the, the last uh, few peaceful protests that we had here in the last few years in the Twin Cities. Buildings trashed uh, across overnight, uh, we see here the Cub Foods, everyone was boarding up and doing the things. I was driving around my city, uh, looking at everyone boarding up. And this was going to be, this was when the verdict for uh, uh, George Floyd was coming out. So they're boarding everything up. And then there was still looting going on. We see everything here that's happening. Uh, Boost Mobile says, hey, there's nothing left. You've already got us. T-Mobile, right down the street. I like this one. My next door neighbor wants to ban all guns. Their house is not armed. Out of respect for their opinions, I promise not to use my guns to protect them. So, hey, if you're not for guns and stuff like that, that's great, man. I don't know how you're going to, how you're going to protect. I physically cannot do that anymore. Um, so these are the things around. This is me driving around the city of St. Paul. This is our police station. This is the Eastern District. Pay attention to this. So this is the Western District, just right down the street from here. They're all boarded up. This is our police departments who are supposed to come and help us. What does it look like they're doing? And so here's the thing that's happening here. Again, this is, again, this, this, well, this uh, looting that was going on. Here's people looting the holiday. This is right down the street on Snelling in the nice floor. There. This is on my way to church. Pretty disgusting. And so I saw this sign. Due to COVID-19, we are asking rioters to work at home and destroy their own stuff. <laughs> Why not? And again, I, I get wisdom from Oswald Chamber. The Christian church should not be a secret society of specialists, but a public manifestation of believers in Jesus. So I showed you me driving up to the, uh, to the holiday as they're looting and people are running down university and burning things like stuff. I still came to church. <clears throat> still taught that message in the hopes that maybe people would come here and get saved. I didn't do as many as others in the city, shut down their churches, tell everybody to go home, be safe. I'm not going to let fear intimidate we see what's happening with our governor here in the state of Minnesota. He's made state because now the, the House and the Senate and the, and the executive 
and the legislature, it's all one party now, so they pass bills. So now your tax dollars go to for abortions uh, as a sanctuary city, transgender mutilation and female genital mutilation. That's the female circumcisions that the uh, Somalians and Ethiopians do on their eight-year-old uh, girls. As why it started, who knows, but it, it happens now. It can be surgically done. Uh, this is a state now that's uh, that, by the way, has already for the past 20 years has been a sanctuary for uh, immigration. And it's, it, it is. It's already, it's already there. That's what our tax dollars are going for, and they're just ramping it, at, ramping it up. Here's us trying to visit the governor at his mansion. He didn't want to come out and talk to us. And here's a sign I put up. I've got it. I'm ready to put it back up. But remember when our governor says stay at home, if you're really good Christians and good neighbors and stay at home. So I will not report my neighbors to the government for gathering together with loved ones, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, or anyone else you have the God-given right and freedom to assemble with, which is guaranteed by the First Amendment of our U.S. Constitution, live free. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Psalm 56.4. Uh, I didn't surprise Miss Kimberly. She's with me on this one. And, and, and that's just the way I am. And here's the thing I wanted to show my congregation. Nothing happened. I was never arrested. I don't want to be arrested. Nothing happened. No one was hauled away in chains. It might happen this next time. But all this fear and the things that people gave up and ran away from I'm like, well, look, I'm going to put it out here. Nothing is going to happen to you. It's all fear, fear, fear. They do not have the infrastructure or the apparatus to implement this voluntary executive order by the, by the governor. And so that's what I'm like, well, what should I do, Lord? How can I show my congregation? I put this 5 by 10 sign up. If this was really going to happen... I purposely made myself a target. There's no guesswork in it whatsoever. But you know what did happen? Neighbor after neighbor came to me asking for prayer. I said, yeah, that's bold, man. I'm right here. Come and get me. I sent... Weeks and weeks, every week I would send an audio message to the attorney gangster and the governor of everything that I was saying here and wrote a letter and the board signed it, by the way. We're not closing our churches and we're not doing that. We will be here doing what a church is supposed to do. Care and emergency response team, and that's what we did. Nothing happened. They were just getting ready because my thought is something's going to happen maybe next time. But all this fear, all this fear, do we believe in God's word or not? Do we trust in God or not? And so what? There are still 56 people. There have been 1,500 people falsely accused and sentenced in the January 6th insurrection. We were here in the state of Minnesota. We were here in the Twin Cities. We saw, and no one, anyone who was arrested that night for burning down our cities, no one's been arrested. And as uh, much as two weeks ago, I, I, I drive by the third precinct in Minneapolis. It's still boarded up. And if you've seen the documentary that's really, has just recently come out with that, it's just even more disgraceful, disgraceful what happened. Cops running for their lives from the police department. Told to abandon their station house. And the mayor never sent any buses or anything to help them. They had to run down the block. They had to run through a gauntlet. My foster brother, still having a hard time in life, but if you ever saw the movie Black Hawk Down, he was a ranger, and uh, he ran the Mogadishu Mile, so some of you know what that is. And he had to do some things on the way out to save his life and the lives of others around him. It's still haunting to this day. So I just said, what can I do to help my congregation? Many left the church, but they go, well, that's not, I can't do that. I'm not asking you to do that. This is me. Nothing happened except fear and overreaction. But I was prepared. 612 want out. I did meet a bails bondsman. One of the times we were up at the state capitol voicing our free speech. And she comes up to me and says, I think you guys are going to be in jail soon. You might need our services. So I, I had this all set up. 
Let me see all the things that are happening there. You know, I'm wearing a, a shirt now. It says uh, with the big mask on it, do not comply. Just do not comply. Now, when I wore that other shirt with a, a, a mask over Fauci's face and, 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 and false prophet on it, and on the back of the shirt was uh, his words that there's no need to go around wearing a mask. I had more criticism. People just, you bigot, you racist. How? How? You this and all your misinformation and all these things. Masks did absolutely nothing. Went back to the dentist uh, for the first time in uh, three years because they got all kinds of shut down. I don't like doing it. It gets expensive. But I can tell you with the dentist and the oral surgeons are making a killing. COVID has been the best thing for their business. You see, because when you keep all that bacteria in your mouth, it rots your gums. They are doing more oral surgeries, more implants, and more people are rotting away their gums because of all that bacteria. They're making a killing. They're not promoting it, but they are making a killing because of everything that's going on. So rabies kill more people each day than COVID ever did. So in light of this, the CDC has issued a decree that no one ever go outside again until all soft furry mammals have been hunted unto extinction. I mean, this is one of those farces, but I'm thinking that just actually might come true, so I'm going to be careful. This is all about what? Power control. Now, the people we see wearing masks today, it's just straight up fear. It's not not even low intelligence. It's just straight up fear. Because when you talk to them, say, hey, just... Fear. They didn't believe the government before, but now they believe the government now. Fear. It's all about power and control. My prayer is because I've been testing by wearing that shirt. I got a shirt for me and Kimberly. She goes, God's called you to wear that shirt. <laughs> and I'm walking around. People are stopping me, taking pictures of that shirt. And, and every, I don't know what their political bent is. Some, I'm, I'm pretty sure what I know their political bent is. And they're like, right on. All it's going to take is if all of us just don't comply. They can't get all of us. Well, they'll go after leaders like me. That's their examples. I don't want to go to jail. I don't think it's a deep spiritual thing. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to be proud of it. I'm not going to be excited about it because I've been to jail as a non-Christian and the food hasn't improved, I'm pretty sure. It's just meant to keep you alive, all right? But it's all about power. So again, here's this sparse pandemic, whatever they're going to call this next one there. Uh, but let me give you this. How's everybody doing today? Okay, we're going to shut the doors. We'll start it off with, uh, my name is Rick Jones. I'm the Butler County Sheriff, Butler County, Ohio. Um, I just came back from the National Sheriff's Training in uh, D.C. Three days ago, two days ago. We were briefed by the FBI director, Ray, the director of the FBI, and several federal agencies. There's 3,300 sheriffs in the United States. The President of the United States refuses to meet with the sheriffs of the 3,300. We have a hierarchy, we have a president, we have a vice president. President of the United States refuses to meet with the sheriffs. He also refuses to meet with the police chiefs of the United States. They have a hierarchy also. He refuses to meet with them to talk about border issues or talk about crime that's going on because of the border issue. We were also told by Mr. Ray, the FBI director, that there are more red flags going off now than before 9-11, okay? When I say red flags, meaning people that are here in this country that are wanting to do harm to us. We were also explained we're in the we're bombing two countries right now. Two countries. These people do not like us before this started. There's thousands of people here from other countries, 160 different countries. They're here not to be our friends. Some of them are coming because they're wanting to come here to the best country in the world, the way we see it. Some are coming here to do harm to us. And we were told by the FBI director, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. 
We were also told five sheriffs went to Israel five weeks after the attack. The only thing that saved the Israelis, the government, was the local police. They were outgunned, outmanned. They came over. The Palestinians did. They came over. They killed, raped. The sheriffs were there. They talked to the police. The local police are what saved that country. You can't just call, even in Israel, you can't just call the military up and they're going to be there, okay? They went house to house, raping, killing. The Israeli police, when our guys got there, the sheriffs, said they just don't hate us. They hate you guys equally. And the same people that trained them are the same people that train people to hate us. The FBI director said when 9-11 hit, there's more red flags now than them. So, and he said, these are people that want to kill us and do harm to us. Now, so you're wondering, I want everybody to know what I know. I can't tell you everything, but I want the public to know that we are in a terrible way right now. The United States, and I'm going to get to the local, the United States, we're on the defense. You can't be just defense and not have an offense. We have no offense. We're just defense. We're absorbing these attacks. We're in other countries. We're supplying them with weapons. We're supplying them with our, our, our treasure, our money, and we're not doing much back home. So, with that in mind, we were also told that they're going, this is from the federal government three days ago, they're going to attack our elections, which they've always done that, just not the national. They're going to go into the locals. They encouraged us to talk to our local election officials and be prepared as much as they can for cyber attacks. Even locally, you have to be prepared. We've been told that, again, they're coming here to do harm to us. And even in Ohio or in the United States, we're not going to be able to call and ask for help from the federal government. They're going to be busy. The military is not coming. The National Guard, when 9-11 hit, it was all the police and the fire. And they were in total, total organized chaos. The military had the skies. And I don't want, somebody asked me, am I like Doomsday Jones? And I said, no, I'm not like Chicken Little. I want you to know what I know. And if you don't believe what I'm telling you, that's okay. You can do what the Israeli citizens done. You can build a little safe house in your basement. And good luck. Uh, now, getting to where we've been attacked here in Butler County, you're going to think, well, we've never been attacked. So you can go, this is a 25-minute thing. I just wanted to give you, he's going to go to local. What have I been always telling you as your pastor for all these years, for 33 years here? The local elections. The local elections. The School boards. What do we see now in the school boards? The sheriff. Trust me, our sheriff in Ramsey County and Hennepin County is not like the sheriff. Because if you take money from the state government as a sheriff, you're beholding them. If the state takes federal money, they're beholding to the federal. And Minnesota's in deep. So let me give you this. One evening, a grandson was talking to his grandfather about current events. The grandson asked, again, I do plan on starting the servants class and I just plan on doing the intern program because I believe what is everything that you're hearing tonight is going to create an incredible opportunity for us to minister. You're just going to have to do one thing though. You guys ready? It's on the sign that's outside the sanctuary doors that you come in here. You're going to need to esteem others better than yourself. The days of selfishness are over and protecting your little family and your little homestead and your little thing. Um, Everyone's going to come for it. But we got to think of the lives of others. And so, again, this is my hope and my is that we as a church would be prepared to help people. So one evening, a grandson was talking to his grandfather about current events. The, grandfather, the grandson asked his grandfather as he thought about this shootings at schools, the computer age, and just things in general. The grandfather replied, well, let me think a minute. I was born before television, penicillin, polio shots, frozen foods, Xerox, context lenses, frisbees, and the pill. 
There were no credit cards, laser beams, or ballpoint pens. Man had not invented pantyhose, air conditioners, dishwashers, clothes dryers, and clothes were hung out to dry in the fresh air, and space travel was only in Flash Gordon books. Uh, your, grandpa, your grandmother and I got married first and then lived together. Every family had a father and a mother until I was 25. I called every woman older than me, ma'am. And after I turned 25, I still called policemen and every man with a title, sir. We were, uh, we were before gay rights, computer dating, dual careers, daycare centers, and group therapy. Our lives were governed by the Bible, good judgment, and common sense. We were taught to know the difference between right and wrong and to stand up and take responsibility for our actions. Serving your country was a privilege. Living in this country was a bigger privilege. We thought fast food was eating half a biscuit while running to catch the school bus. Having meaningful relationships meant getting along with your cousins. Draft dodgers were those who closed front doors as the evening breeze started. Time sharing meant time uh, the family spent together in evenings and weekends, not purchasing condominiums. We never heard of FM radios, tape decks, CDs, electric typewriters, some of you still don't even know what those are, uh, or, or guys wearing earrings. We listened to big bands like Jack Benny and the President's Speeches on radios, and I don't ever remember any kid blowing his brains out listening to Tommy Dorsey. If you say anything, uh, if you saw anything with Made in Japan on it, it was junk. The term making out referred to how you did on your school exam. Pizza Hut, McDonald's, and instant coffee were unheard of. We had five and ten cent stores where you could actually buy things for five and ten cents. Ice cream cones, phone calls, rides on a streetcar, and Pepsi were all a nickel. And if you didn't want to, if you didn't want to splurge, you could spend your nickel on enough stamps to mail one letter and two postcards. You could buy a new Ford Coupe for six hundred dollars, but who could afford one? Too bad because gas was eleven cents a gallon. In my day, grass was mowed, Coke was a cold drink, pot was something your mother cooked in, rock music was your grandmother's lullaby, aides were helpers in the principal's office, chip meant a piece of wood, hardware was found in a hardware store, and software wasn't even a word. And we were the last generation to actually believe that a lady needed, to have, uh, needed a husband to have a baby. How old do you think I am? Betty of this old man's mind. Think of, think of an age. How old do you think this man is? You guys ready? This man would be 77 years old today in 2024. <laughs> That's it. That's not that long ago, folks. Revelation 21, uh, King James, uh, read it yourself here, but uh, uh, telling us here to, again, uh, about the end times, but the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, and the murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and adulterers, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death in our state legislature. Um, I slipped out. Okay. These are the things. So when did Noah have a plan? Man, if you haven't made it to the uh, Creation Museum or the Ark, you've got to go there. Uh, so what's your plan, your relationship with God? What's your plan? This is, this is the hope that we have to offer. Nothing happened. I put a sign up, made myself a target, sent messages to the attorney gangster general, uh, Keith Ellison, and the governor, everything, sent it to all the, this is what I'm saying week in and week out. I don't want someone to report me. Here I'm self-reporting. Here it is. This is what we're doing. Here's the sign on my house. Here's my address. Here's what it is. Now, we were randomly audited by the state of Minnesota two years in a row. Interesting. But it all just comes down to this. But neighbor after neighbor would come by you in tears or crying or I'm out there mowing the yard or talking, doing stuff. And people would just, and they would do stuff like stuff they haven't done in years. They would come up to my door and go, and knock, because I, I hate doorbells, so I, I dismantle my doorbell. I don't like them. So they knock on the door. And I'm like, that, that really encourages me. You see, What's your plan? What's your relationship with God like? Does your relationship with God make you sure that you'll go to heaven when you die? So we look at the plan of Noah. We look at his relationship with God. We have to look at ours. And what is it? The second is prayer. What is your prayer life like? 
Uh, what about being in the Word of God, that you and I have that privilege? What about church? If church isn't important, then why is it mentioned so much in the New Testament? And why did Paul and Barnabas and Titus and Saul, uh, Silas and all these others and uh, Aquila and Priscilla and Apollos all go out and lead people to Christ and put them, in, put them in churches and make churches there? Discipleship. Are you being discipled? Well, that's what the servants class is, and that's what the intern program is. It's just more intimate discipleship with me that I want to spend time with you, and so you can do that there. And so, listen, your discipleship, what about your time? What about your talent? What about your treasure? I see people with their time and their talent and their treasure, and they're just, just spending it on, on themselves. Well, you know what? The book of Hosea and Ezra has a lot to say about that. The work of God is stopped by everyone spends time on their own homes and their own lives and their own financial security and all this stuff. It's all, it really, it's great for them, but it doesn't minister to anybody outside their little sphere there. So what are you doing with your time and your talent and your treasure? Evangelism. Each and every one of us are called to share the good news uh, with others. But your relationship with your family, some of it's estranged. Many of my family, uh, until they received Jesus Christ as Savior Lord, wanted nothing to do with me. What about your spouse? Maybe you have a spouse that isn't a believer, or maybe you have a spouse that isn't really walking with the Lord. You're going to stand before God and give an account of your life. And so who, which one of you here out of this room, who's going to stand before God and give account for Calvary Chapel, St. Paul? Me. I got to answer the guy for that. Now, Matt, I think we had a discussion. We had a discussion here. I'm going to have to pay royalties for this. But I think I already fed you, right? Too late. Too late. It's already there. It's already there. All right, but we had this, okay? When you stand before God, who will give account to God for your wife? Oh, not me then, right? No, not me. What's okay? So I'm going to get an account of my life and for my wife. What I taught my kids for this congregation. Do you know your sphere and what you're responsible for? And so here, you stand before God and you give account of your own life, your children. Your extended family. What's your relationship with them, like with your parents? Uh, listen, if people don't want to live at peace with you, that's all, that's all we're commanded in Romans to do, as the Apostle Paul says. Whatever's dependent upon you, as Paul, that's Paul speaking from the Scripture, pointing at us, me, you the you in that, right? Whatever's dependent upon you, you live at peace with all men. But it doesn't guarantee that anyone's going to live at peace with you. You need to stand before God for that. Your siblings... Same thing, whatever it is <clears throat> when it comes to that, your in-laws or your outlaws, whatever they are, you do those things here. So again, we look at Noah's plan, and when did he start this plan? Before the ark was being built and before he had children. 120 years, you got to do the math. So what's your relationship with your friends? Do you have any? And are friends more important than ministry? Well, that'll be called you the question there. Do you have any? You got, do you have a best friend? Do you have a very close friend? Do you, are you friendly? You know, to have friends, you need to be friendly yourself. What about your relationship with work? Are you, uh, as a, are you a good employee? Are you a good boss? That's our testimony. Does it cause you to do more or less for Christ, your work? Whatever you're doing, whatever that relationship is with family or friends or work, does it cause you to do more or less for Christ, for God, what it does. What about your family? And what about ministry? Why are those? Why is when it comes to those things, it typically is ministry or church goes first, then family, and then everyone always prays. This is another book I can't encourage you enough. I've sent this out plenty of times in PDF files, but if you get involved in the servants class and if you get involved with the intern program and many other things, this is Follow Me, a Christian Workers Field Manual to Effective Church Ministry. Because you know what? You and I are the church. And you and I are called to do ministry in the church, which means we're doing ministry to other people. We're called to do that. If church is something else for you, you can get all this teaching better. I can give you better Bible teachers than me if that's all you want is academics. But if you want to know how to jumpstart a car at 2 in the morning, you got to hang out with me go over someone's house. If you want to know what it's like to go to a death scene or help somebody whose baby just died of SIDS or a family that's committed suicide or these things going, and you want to know what it's like. Had one guy, uh, he's still walking with the Lord. Uh, he finished our intern program, went into our Joshua group, and it was the quickest uh, hire and fire ever. Well, the, the quickest uh, res resignation. It happened on a Sunday. 
He was doing Joshua Group. He finished that weekend with the intern program, graduated, wanted to be in the Joshua Group. And I handed him a set of keys because we met uh, in a building downtown and a lot of keys for all the doors. We didn't think of just keying them with one, one key, but and gave him all the keys. And he spent a, a month with me, following me around. And we went to, and I was doing chaplaincy and I, I was doing ministry and I was dealing with the cops. And then I got him into the prisons I was going into. And, and he just spent a week with me. And two hours after church ended, he came back and handed the keys and says, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I, I quit. I just, I quit. He goes, no, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I can't. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, I, you know, I work full time and I got to be in bed. You know, the guy was only in his 40s. He goes, I got, I got to be in bed by 9 or 10 o'clock at night because I get up at 5 in the morning. And if someone called me at midnight, I, I couldn't. I, I'm not available for ministry and I can't do that. I just, I go, what do you want? He goes, I just, I just want to come to church with my wife and, uh, you know, teach a children's ministry class because my grandkids in it and that, that's all I want to do. Okay. That's it. I mean, be faithful, be faithful at that. But he found out really early in his life what he was not called to do. So I leave you with this. When it comes to this, April 7th is our servants class. Listen, nothing happened last time. I really don't think anything's going to happen. I think there's going to be more fear. But you really should get your Haley's Bible handbook out and just look up fear. You should get your uh, Strong's Concordance out. You should get your Bible with a, 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 a reference and just look up fear about not fearing God. And, and every time you fear, you're not obeying and you're not following God. What is the worst thing that could happen to you? You die? You go to be with Jesus? Hey, take this note down. Moms, dads, husbands, wives, kids. Let's just have a reality check tonight. You got it? You ready for this? God loves your family more than you do. You know how I know? You're still here. He died on the cross. God gave up his only son. God loves your children more than you and could possibly do more if you would just get out of his way. I'm not saying kill yourself and go be with Jesus. No, I'm not, not encouraging that. That's probably the only thing that will come out of this message tonight, right? If we just follow God. He loves your husband and your wife, your kids more than you do verifiable, certifiable that we should be. So I just want to get with God's plan. No one's, God doesn't send anybody to hell if you know your Bibles. The lake of fire, as the book of Revelation tells us, all the way through the Old Testament, was created for Lucifer and one-third of the heavenly host of fallen angels who left with him. That was his intended purpose. If anyone ends up in hell on the lake of fire, separated from God for all eternity, that was their choice. And God makes sure every man, woman, child, everyone has a choice. How he works it out? So I bet you a dollar, one dollar, you can't hiccup one more time. One dollar. I bet you can't do it one more time. You want a dollar, right? Just one dollar, you want to hiccup one time. Okay. Did you want to keep hiccuping? Did I ruin that for you? Okay. All right. So, the reality is, is that God loves your family more than you. And then trust him for it. Let's finish up with Jude. In Jude, Jude says this, the servant of, uh, verse 1, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. This is Jude and James are the actual brothers of Jesus Christ. The ones who mocked him, didn't believe in him, ridiculed him, punked him, did all kinds of things. It says here, by the Father and God, preserve Jesus Christ. He tells us here that, Christ, that uh, Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation. This is what he wanted to do. This is what he wanted to write. I wanted to write to you about the common salvation that we have, but it was needful of me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That's why I show you this sheriff from Butler County. Not to freak you out, there's an incredible opportunity with people who are in this country now who want to do us harm. Then, then, then what are we going to do to protect the lives of others, to keep them alive until they can accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? I'm not saying to, you know, arm up and go and, you know, stand ground. But listen, people are going to the state of Texas and protecting our border because they're coming. But they're already here. We already know in the state of Minnesota. That's why we call the River Cedarside area of Minneapolis Little Mogadishu. 
If you don't think Sharia law exists in the state of Minnesota, it does there. And they passed city ordinances. Listen, church bells were outlawed 25 years ago because people were complaining about the church bells on Sunday making noise, and so they outlawed. The, all the mosques in Minneapolis got approval this last year, and they can do the Muslim call to prayer five times a day through Minneapolis. Can't hear church bells. You want that dollar again yet, Zoe? Sorry to back up. You really want a hiccup. Okay, so listen, he wants to write about this common salvation, but it was needful. This is what, this is what I was believe is, is needful for tonight for my flock. Anybody else listen online? God help you. But for our, our flock, for us, what do we do here? I want that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of, uh, before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, denying the only Lord and God, our Lord Jesus Christ. There's people who are purposely trying to get into churches to corrupt it. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed them that believed not. Now you have to go back to the book of Exodus if you don't know what he's referring to here. And so here, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of that great day. Even Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. So Moses was buried on the other side of the Jordan, did not enter into the promised land. And so now, now we get some inside scoop here that there was a dispute going on. And, and, and again, God would uh, hid the body of Moses. We don't know where it is. And why is it? Why did God give that explanation? I'll give it away to you. He says, because they would somehow embalm Moses. They would do something with his bones and they would turn him into some type of shrine and go with him and says, I got I to gotta get rid of that. And so here it would be just like Satan to say, hey, here's the body of Moses. He says, he says, when he was disputing with uh, the devil over the body of Moses, durst not bring a, him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts and those things, they very corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain and ran greedily after the ear of Balaam. Now again, you have to go back to your Old Testament. Get your Haley's Bible handbook and read through Jude and it'll tell you the references where you go so you get more context. You might just be thinking, because you're new to this, well, I guess those were like some bad dudes. Go back and read the history, and you will find out more of the backstory of why he's referencing them. It says they're worse than Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Again, Korah's rebellion, another person again. These are spots in your feasts of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds that are without water, carried about of winds, trees, whose fruit with... Where, where, um, wherewith, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackest of darkness forever. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied these sayings all the way back in the book of Genesis. He says he prophesied these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Not the angels. It's coming back, you and I. You know, after the rapture of the church, there's the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then after that seven-year tribulation period that God deals with the nation of Israel and anyone else is left in the world, and he comes back and sets up his millennial kingdom for a thousand years, we come back reigning and ruling. Look what he says here in verse 15, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts in their, in their mouth, speaking great swelling words, having men's uh, persons in admiration because of advantage. People coming into the church of God for their own personal advantage, for their own reward, for, hey, look at me, I, 
uh, weird. But beloved, see now, just like I started off, gave you a lot of bad stuff, but I still intend to do servants class so we can minister to these people. Do the intern program so you can go stronger in your faith in the Lord and all types of other ministries. I didn't come up with this plan. Look at Jude. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before all the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own godly lusts. There they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Verse 21, very, very important. This is where everyone goes astray. My pastor, why I'm doing ministry today, the guy who was my pastor who raised me up in ministry, did not do verse 21. He didn't follow his own advice. I call him, I keep in touch with him, I love him. I'm still mocked by other pastors because of the betrayal that went on and, and how I stood for him. But I'm, uh, loyalty is a premium. I'm still going to stand by his side. If I'm standing next to him and you're punking him, you're still going to have to deal with me. But he didn't, he didn't follow through. And that's, that's the cautionary tale that he tells me. Chick, just follow through, man. And he didn't deal with stuff. Here it is right here, verse 21. Keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So after I've got guaranteed eternal life and I'm immortal, up until then, I need to keep myself in the love of God. After that, I don't have to keep myself in the love of God. I probably still will. But right now in this world, what does is, what is keeping yourselves in the love of God look like? Well, I just gave you your relationships. First and foremost, is your relationship with God making sure you go to heaven when you die? Nothing's ever going to satisfy. It's never going to fill that void in your life. In fear? You know, many people were freaked out at the beginning because they had misinformation. They were acting upon that fear. But if they would have stood the test of time and just prayed, God would have made sense of it. It just shows every one of us where our relationship with God was at that point. Hopefully it's stronger now. And you no longer have to wait for the fake science to be done away with. That you can just say, God, what, what's happening here right now? I was mocked for a couple of years. Because I came back to, and I talked at a pastor's conference. I came back and said, listen, after our September 2019 Israel tour, God has shown me I'm not going to be traveling until after February of 2023. So I didn't take any speaking engagements, do whatever. I had people after person after person. I had friends call me, hey, could you just do my conference? Can you just speak at my conferences? And I go, no, if I do it for you, I got to do it for everybody else. I missed weddings. I missed funerals of people that I, that I love and ministry. Like, and I said, and, and, but those who really were walking in the spirit, I said, listen, God has told me I'm not, to, I'm not to miss a Sunday or a Thursday ever during that time. That's it. I'm, I'm to stay here. I'm not to travel. I'm not to go about and then a year and a half later, what happened? Now we get all the COVID restrictions. We get all the travel bans or whatever. And brother after brother who mocked, well, not everyone. A few of them came back like, wow, man, God really tipped you off. I'm like, yeah, I got scars in my body where I didn't follow the Holy Spirit. And they're like, yeah, I know that one. I see those, yeah. What does that look like about keeping yourselves in the love of God when even your Christian brothers, fellow pastors and others mock you because they don't understand your relationship with God and what God has specifically spoke to you about? You got to keep yourselves in the love of God. You can't keep your loves in self as anybody else. Keeping yourselves looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Verse 22, and some have compassion making a difference. Listen, I can do that. I make a difference between those who really need help and those who are trying to scam you for money on the off ramps and walking around and doing those things. I have compassion, but I do make a distinction of those things who really, if they're really hungry, you can pick them up and bring them here to church on Thursday and Sunday. But just realize, for those of you who have been doing that, uh, don't let them run around begging and panhandling. They're like, oh, this is, thank you, you brought me to church, I can get everybody. Don't, go and say, hey, we don't, we don't do that here. If you need something, I'll help you. So here, and some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. I called a brother who, 
As I shared on Sunday, got saved when he was 15, I was 14, and faithfully came to all our parties and hung out with us as long as we could. But I mean, I remember pouring beer on him, other stuff I can't, I did to him, I can't, I'm just still embarrassed to talk about. But because of his faithful witness, he was coming. He looked at this verse and he came and he was pulling some out of the fire. And when I got saved, did the exact same thing because I saw the firefighter before me and that's just what I do. And so here, verse 24, now unto him that is able to keep you. Who is that? Listen, you don't have to go to Hades Bible Handbook. Just write Jesus for verse 24. Now him who is able to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To him, only wise God and Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and evermore. Amen. That's my hope and prayer for you as my flock. What's possibly could be going to happen? I'm praying that it doesn't. But I want to be prepared. Prepared in my neighborhood. I know some neighbors. We, we, we fly our freak flag, our Marine Corps flag, and I'm going down the street and I can talk to the other veterans and say, if something happens, are we going to cover each other's back? Are we going to take care of all the other sheep that are on this block? You know, are we going to, are we going to protect them? Are we going to do that? And I've challenged some of my other neighbors. What are we going to do? What are you prepared to do? We've already got plans to where, because we don't have fences up and how we can run through people's backyards and how we can come to each other's aid and defense if something physically needs to happen. Yes, with firearms if need be. And then for those of you who, who cho- you, you think firearms or guns and you're just apprehensive about it, you shouldn't. Can I just, I, I just meet with John Belovich. We need a sign up of volunteers who are willing to take one for the team. You get to go see Jesus first. We need you on the perimeter, and you die first, and that gets us ready inside here. So if you're all for, then I would like you to live by your convictions. Could you please go stand on the perimeter and be the first one to say, gun, and take a bullet for us so the rest of us can be prepared? I would appreciate that. Anyone else would appreciate that? You'd appreciate that, right? Okay, I would appreciate it. I'm not saying that you have to get a gun, you have to arm yourself or whatever, but don't hassle those of us who do. And if you're really that offended by him, then just let me say, everyone who doesn't want to be protected by me and us have firearms stand on that side of the sanctuary, die, and everyone else who wants to maybe live, it's kind of hard. I might throw my gun to somebody and go to the other side. I'm kind of conflicted now, but maybe I volunteer. Here, hold my gun. I'm going to go on the perimeter. Now, I've got to rethink this whole one through now. All right. Just a minute here. That just kind of came to me there. All right. All right. If I hand you my gun, know what I'm going to do. All right. Hey, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for my flock. I just ask you, God, to just uh, wrap your loving arms around them. Help people. No fear. No fear. For your perfect love casts out fear. And Lord, I know in my own life, if I'm fearful, I'm not trusting you. I might not like the situation around my neighborhood or in the areas, but Lord, I'm not fearful because I know I have you. Help me, Lord, and help everyone here with the gifting of your Holy Ghost to have the discerning of spirits, to have situational awareness, not only for personal safety, but, Lord, that people would be divinely inspired to see people who have needs and just willing to just go and pray with their neighbors and their family and their friends, and they look distressed. God, not just for personal safety or safety of others, but, God, there's people that are troubled out there and they need you. God, you've made us a church. You've created in us a great thing. So Lord, may we just be faithful servants unto you. And God, thank you for this opportunity to do servants class and intern program and many other ministry. God, I pray that many would accept the challenge and the call to be deeper to you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Lord bless you. You have a great night whether you like it or not.